Christ's family formed two years ago. And uh, we had about 14 people at that time. You might, might remember sometimes we had 8, 10 people, 12 people. But on the first, at the first service, we had 14 people. And Christ's family formed out of a church that used to meet in this building. In fact, that church had met here consecutively for about 150 years. It had gone through many changes, different names, uh, basically all the same, but there were some add-ons or some prefixes. There were things that changed. But the church that met here was dying. It had dwindled down to just about 12 or 15 people, 20 people sometimes. But then somebody suggested we rename the church from St. John's Reformed Church, Donegal Township, Pennsylvania, to something else. And so at the time of the renaming, there was a resurgence in attendance. We had like 30 people that started to attend regularly. And everybody had a different name. Everybody had a different idea of what the name should be. And I had one that I thought the Lord had given to me. And uh, as we went through that process, two, three weeks went by. And John's mother stood up. And she said, why are we renaming St. John's? She said, St. John's is dead. It died. And why are we renaming a corpse? And she said, this is Christ's family. It doesn't belong to any other family. And everybody just kind of like woke up and said, that's the name. Christ's family. Amen. And so that's how the name came about. God used one woman to bring that name Amen. to clarity. We are Christ's family. We are all family in Christ. We're all siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. And see, that I think is, is really important for us to recognize. You know, uh, uh, just about two years ago, the plaster came off of that wall. We took it off. There used to be a big crack in the wall, and it bothered lots of people. It didn't bother me. I just figured it was going to fall down. It was going to fall down. It didn't, but it wouldn't. But anyway, we refurbished the wall and had everything painted, and the ceiling was painted, and all these things got done because God wanted it to be done. Amen. And as we look at the, the new year that we're coming into, I say, what better way than to just take a quick look back? And I thought, well, I'll go over here. We have more than 100 messages that have been proclaimed here in this little sanctuary. And throughout that time, the numbers of people attending has grown. Amen. And I thought, no, if people want to see the, or listen to those messages, they want to hear about those messages, they can look on sermonaudio.com. It's www.sermonaudio.com. If you want to hear any of the messages that have been proclaimed there ever that I've recorded, since 2012 or 13, 14, somewhere back there, you can find those messages. And I think you'll find that the message has been consistently the same. It's been God's Word. And that's what God gives me to proclaim. He says, preach the Word in season, out of season. Rebuke, reprove, and encourage or uplift. Almighty God assembled and developed Christ's family that meets here. It was His work. There was nothing that I could do. There was nothing that anybody else could do. There was nothing different except God moved. God moved. He's upgraded his meeting house. He's improved our worship. He brought musicians to help us to praise and worship him with music. And he's having his way in this place, and we praise him for his work. Amen. Right here. Amen. We praise him for his work. Amen. 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 Amen.
He inhabits the praises of his people. Yeah. Amen. Let him bring some more. 2021 will be full of joy and laughter. It'll be full of praise and worship. But it can also have, have challenges and complications and even troubles. We must remain in Christ to be able to endure whatever comes our way, either individually or collectively. We must remain in Christ. It's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in Christ. All things have become new in the individual. And we see the newness of Christ operating within this body of believers that meets in this building. God is moving, folks. He's moving. And through all of the things that we've seen in the previous year, we have also seen God's hand moving on his people. Who knows what, what God has in store for 2021? I can't predict what he has in store. He hasn't given that to me. But I can tell you this. All things become new means something. In Christ, all things become new. In Christ, we are new creations. You get that? You're a new creation. And who knows if God doesn't make junk? He didn't make garbage. When he created the heavens and the earth, he said, it is good. When he created everything that we know, he said, it is good. Yes. In Christ, you are a new creation. Think about it. He, he created you to endure everything. And I know, if I asked for a show of hands, all of us would raise our hands. Who's gone through trouble? Don't raise your hand. We've all had troubles. We've all had trials. We've all had tribulations. We've all been hit with things that we don't like. We've had bad relationships. We've had bad family situations. We've had trouble in the world. We've had trouble with our employment. We've had trouble, trouble, trouble. All of our lives have been largely, if we look back, we'll see troubles. There's not been a time when we haven't had some sort of trouble. Car breaks down. There's a little trouble, but it's trouble. Now think about that just for a moment, okay? Those hurts and pains and trials and the joys and celebrations, he created you to endure. He made you... Now I, I heard a woman tell a story about a Tonka truck. She was at a toy store. She used to buy these toys that were $14 because she knew within 14 days her child was going to destroy the toy. And she didn't want to spend more than $14. A dollar a day, she figured, was good enough for the kid because he's going to destroy it. And then she said she was at the toy store one time and she saw this Tonka truck and it was 40-some dollars and she decided that she wasn't going to buy that because it was 40-some dollars. She said, the kid's going to break it and I'm just going to get a $14 toy. And as she's walking out the door with the $14 toy that she bought, she felt the Spirit of the Lord led her to go back in, exchange that $14 toy for the $40 toy. And the long story short was... It lasted as long as that kid needed it to, and he gave it to his cousin, and it lasted as long as that kid needed it to, and the point is, it was durable. And God has made all of his people durable. Amen. He's made us Amen. to handle what it is that we have to handle, even unto death. He's given you everything that you need to endure what you need to endure in this life. He doesn't make junk. Now, do these bodies break down? Yes. 
We live in a sinful world, and our sin nature has brought us into a place where we needed redemption. He redeems us from the sin. He redeems us from the curse of the sin. And he brings us into newness of life. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time, and that's called the process of sanctification, where he's working out the kinks that we brought into these lives. Stanford University researchers say that the human body replaces itself with a new set of cells every seven to ten years. Stanford University, pretty prestigious university, but there are people that dispute that. They say, no, it's not possible. And after all, not all the cells are replaced in seven to ten years. Some are replaced a whole lot faster. Some are replaced a little slower. But generally speaking, the body that you're sitting in right now, according to Stanford University, is not any more than, say, ten years old. God makes all things new. If it wasn't for sin in this world, our bodies would last for as he created them ever. And we will get a new body. And that body will not be subject to sin. And we will live forever with him. That's what he says. He created you to endure this life. And I want, as we go into this new year, this new calendar year, the Gregorian calendar year that we call 2021, I want us. To be the people of God who recognize that he has a purpose for us in this life. And we're going to fulfill that purpose by answering to him and doing what it is that he wants for us to do. And part of that is being a part of Christ's family that meets in this building. Obviously, you wouldn't be here if he didn't call you here. At least most of you. Some are visitors and we appreciate you visiting. And you're welcome anytime. In Christ, you are a new creation. And that means the old you has been replaced with a new and better you. Spiritually speaking, some things take more time than others to redo. There are some things that he needs to iron out of you. And sometimes he'll chasten you if you're not in his will. And you need to praise him for that. Because if he chastens you, you are his child. The problems that we see with our lives and the habits and behaviors that stick with us, even addictions, come from us holding on to the old. We need to let go of everything old. Christ Jesus, it's written, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's written, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. You see, that's part of being the new creation. We're given the ability, we're given the power, the strength, to obey what it is that God says in His Word. And how do we learn what's in His Word? Anybody? Read it. Read it. Yeah, it's pretty simple. And His Spirit will come over you as you read His Word, and you'll be strengthened by the Word that you read Amen. as it's brought into yourself. <coughs> Early on, Jew Jewish believers were pushing circumcision, and they saw themselves as better than the others, the other believers, the Gentile believers, because the Gentiles were not circumcised. And Paul says circumcision isn't the point. They believed that circumcision was necessary for salvation, and Paul put that to rest also. And you know, throughout the ages, it hasn't just been the Jewish people that thought they were better than the non-Jewish people. The non-Jewish people also thought they were better than the Jewish people. And many became murderous in their pursuit of eliminating the Jewish people from the faith. And there are some to this day who hold on to doctrines that were brought up in that realm of thinking. To this day, it's unfortunate. There are people that call themselves believers who actually hate 
the family of the one that came to save them. Can you wrap your mind around that? Because I have trouble with it. I really do. And, you know, the word makes it clear none of us is better than any other. No matter what part of the body we belong to, no matter what our heritage is, doesn't matter what color our skin is, doesn't matter what kind of a job we have or don't have, doesn't matter how well off we are in this side of eternity, it doesn't matter what spiritual gifts we have, it doesn't matter because we are the new creation. And that is where we see obedience come in. Because as a new creation, we are able to obey what he says. It's written in 1 John. Excuse me, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. There were people that were prideful. In fact, even this day, even now, there are spiritual people with spiritual gifting who are prideful about that. They're proud that they have these spiritual gifts. And, unfortunately... They use their spiritual gifting as their high horse. And others use economic reasons. Because after all, I make more money than you. I'm better than you. And that is all worldly. It's all fleshly. And that needs to come out of the church. It needs to be erased from the church. We can't have a body of believers that think somehow because of something. No matter what those things are. We can't have people thinking that they're better than somebody else. Because none of us are better than anybody else. We are all equal. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. And now we look at 1 John and it's written now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments whoever says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word truly the love of God is perfected in him by this we know that we are in him we know that we're in Him if we are obeying Him. He says, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And this is where John got that from. He heard it from the Lord Himself. He didn't just make it up. In Christ, your life as a woman or a man has been regenerated and all of us are siblings in Christ. We're all equal. As obedient siblings in Christ, we belong to Christ's family. And I think that's why it's fitting that God has named the, the congregation that meets here Christ's family. Because we are all part of Christ's family. This is often referred to as the brotherhood of believers. In 1 John chapter 1, it's written, This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all in God. Okay? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, and what is darkness? It's anything he says it is. It's not what I can. I can't define what darkness is. I have to look at God's word. His word says what is darkness and what is light. He chooses to say what is light. He chooses to say what is darkness. If we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Yahashua Messiah, the one we call Jesus, the Christ. His blood cleanses us from all sin. This is a powerful message. Yes, thank you, Lord. This is right from God Himself. Yes. It's written by those that He chose to inspire with His Holy Spirit to pen the words. And those that have preserved them over the centuries. You know, we have more manuscript evidence for the Scriptures than any other written work from history. Do you know that? 
there's more evidence that shows the authenticity of what we claim to be the Bible, the Word of God. There is more evidence to support this book than any other writing that humans have produced Amen. throughout Sorry. history. Amen. Do you think God didn't have a hand in that? Come on, let's give him a praise. Think about it, okay? It's written that Christ gave himself for us in Titus chapter 2, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. Redeem us from every lawless deed. And I've heard people say, well, if you're a keeper of the law, then you're not under grace anymore. And I said, well, if you're a lawbreaker, what does that make you? It makes you lawless. And he redeemed us from lawlessness. We need to remember that, folks. They're not mutually exclusive. Grace doesn't cancel us being obedient. That's right. Come on, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works. We're zealous. We're hungry. We want to produce what he wants us to produce. We want to draw souls out of the darkness. We want to bring souls into the light. We want to be his people who proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Christ. That he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And at the same time, spiritually, he is within us by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right. Come on. Yes. We are his people. Yes, thank you. Lord. And we need thank to be you. his people. And that means obeying what it is that he brought to the earth for us to obey. Thank you. He says. Quoting Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 11, the Spirit says to Christ's family at that time and now through all ages, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. That's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. And the next verse is also a quote from the Old Testament passages from 2 Samuel uh, verse 8. Excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 8 and verse 14 and Isaiah 43, 6. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You'll be my sons and daughters. God foreordained that we would be his children. He chose for us to be his children. He selected us to be his children. In Christ, we've all been adopted into Christ's family. Pretty simple. It's written in Ephesians chapter 4. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. They're greedy to sin is what he's saying. But you've not so learned Christ if indeed if if, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Yahashua, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on a new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a change that comes upon us. All things become new. All the old things are passed away. He transforms us by the renewing of our mind through His Word, the living and active Word of Almighty God, the sword of the Spirit. Amen. He cuts away all that stuff Amen. that doesn't agree with Him. He cuts away all of that stuff that doesn't work for Him because He doesn't want us to be in darkness. He wants us to be in light. And we need to be His people of light. 
shining the light out into the world so that other people can see our work, what we do, how we live, and they can glorify God. That's what the scripture says. Christ is the new man, and we put on Christ, and we're covered with him, we're covered with his righteousness and his holiness. That doesn't excuse us to continue living in sin, in darkness. In Ephesians chapter 5, it's written, For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then we see that the Holy Spirit in us, we exhibit and bear the fruit of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So the opposite of goodness and righteousness of tr and truth is what? Falsehood, unrighteousness, and wickedness. The fruit of the Spirit is the opposite of the fruit of the flesh. It's the opposite of the fruit of the world. If He has created us as new creations, then we will exhibit that fruit, that spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Sometimes that's a hard one for people. Long-suffering. Suffering long? Seriously, God? You're going to make me suffer long? God has long-suffering, okay? He's got that all figured out. And He's been long-suffering for us. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see somebody out of control and they claim to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to question whether or not they actually are. That's right. Because the Word tells us self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And we need to be people of self-control. It's a difficult thing sometimes. Tells us there's no law against such things, and those who are in Christ, those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we don't have any excuse. He says, You are a new creation. And so all those old things have passed away. Don't hold on to it and say, Well, that's how I was born. I hear so many people say, Well, I was born this way. And I say, Yeah, well, you, know, you need to be born again. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. But that only comes if you are born again. That's right. The Holy Spirit in us, we do bear the fruit of the Spirit. I want us to look at this a little bit more another time, Lord willing, but I just want you to think of the opposites of the fruit listed there. What's the opposite of self-control? Out of control? the opposite of long-suffering? Short-tempered? What's the opposite of love? What's the opposite of joy? What's the opposite of peace? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it's written, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You've put on Christ when you were baptized into Christ. You were buried in the likeness of His death. You were raised in the likeness of His resurrection. You've been brought into new life by His work, not your own. And he says, as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you're in Christ. And in this passage, we hear the Holy Spirit clarify some things. The simple act is equal to submitting ourselves into Christ. It's an act of submission. It's an act of obedience. We give up us. We turn over to Him. He rules the lives of those who surrender all to Him. We used to sing an old hymn, I surrender all. And, and not many people really want to do that. It was a, when I was running from God, I eventually gave in to being a youth pastor. So I didn't want to do anything church related, honestly. And that, that's another part of my testimony. I'm not going to go into it today. But 
I eventually gave in to at least serving as a youth pastor. And while I was doing that, I was attending the church that every closing, almost every time we closed the service, it was with I surrender all. Because the, the pastor knew that the, if the people really got the idea of surrender, full surrender to God, you would not go back to anything that you used to do, that you used to be. And there's lots of things that the scripture tells us. You once were, you used to be, now you're not. I'm not going to read those passages. I have them here, but I'm going to skip over them whenever we get there. You put on Christ. Buried with Him. Our submission to Him brings about a radical transformation. Radical. A radical transformation. People who know me from the time when I was running from God, they kind of question, is that really you? Yeah. He transformed me. All things become new. It's likely that most of you have heard of the armor of God, right? I was going to read that passage, but I, I think we'll skip over that right now. I want us to um, look at that another time. We're probably going to do a, a brief series of messages on it in this coming year. It's a picture of Christ. The armor of God is a picture of Christ. Truth, righteousness, the power of peace, faith, and shield, salvation. The word of God is a two-edged sword. Christ is the living word of Almighty God. In John chapter 1, it's written, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then Christ Himself said to His disciples, You search the Scriptures. He's talking to the religious people at the time. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of Me. The written Word brings about the living Word. Reveals the living Word. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it's written, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God purifies your heart. And if you think about it, okay, this is just a glass. Without anything in it, it's just a glass. I can fill it with water, and I do. I can consume that water, and I do. But what if that was filled with grain alcohol? It would look the same, right? But things would change. Things would change dramatically. The Word of God is powerful. Powerful. And it changes you as you consume it. It transforms you. It renews your mind. It changes everything. And the more you get into the Word, the more you realize your hunger for it. And you become more hungry. It's like addiction. You don't want to put it down. You don't want to stop. Then you start to want to proclaim it. And this is part of what we do as the body that meets in this building. There are some of you that God is going to use in the future to go out and proclaim His Word. Amen. He says so. Make disciples of all nations. And we have people here that God will make disciples of. Will and I were talking about this this morning. He didn't know what my message was about. He didn't have a clue, but the Holy Spirit knows. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, it's written, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It's the power of God for everyone who believes. To be transformed, to be changed, to be made new. That all that old would pass away. 
Getting into the written word of God plants God's living and active word in us, and it strengthens us to endure whatever the world brings. And you know, I hear people proclaiming the problems of the world. You know, I was recording our uh, morning worship time and music here, and uh, there were some people that commented about none of y'all have masks. And I said, well, you know, the people want to wear masks, they can wear masks. And that's why I say, if you want to wear a mask, we'll even buy some and you can have them. If you want to come in, you can just let me know. I'll make sure we got some here. And there are people that criticize me. They say, I take a cavalier attitude toward this. I don't. I take it very seriously. I think that we have a, a pandemic of fear in our country. I think we have a pandemic of fear across the world. I think people are just letting everything that's happening happen because they're so afraid. Look. God says we're not given a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. A sound mind. Our mind is done in Christ, and in Christ we are a new creation. Yes. We're not given over to those fears. And look, any one of us could get sick by any way possible. Not just this particular virus that's been created and brought into mankind. I'm not going to get into that because we'd be here till who knows when. But I've got to tell you, I'm not going to buckle to fear. I'm going to preach God's word. And we are going to gather together as he sees for us to gather together. We're going to be renewed. We're going to be transformed. We're going to be what he says we're going to be, made new. Because his word is living and powerful. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It pleased the Father that in Him, and He's speaking of Christ here, and this is in Colossians chapter 1, in Him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, peace with us and God. Okay, that's the newness there. We've got peace with God by the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. By Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We've been made new. We've been recreated. Yes. We've been born again. Now, getting into the written word plants God's living and active word in us, and it strengthens us, as I said. Time will come, it's written in 2 Timothy, that they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And we have so many fables in the body of Christ today, and... and Anybody who knows me knows that if I know of it, I will point it out. And sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable. Sometimes we don't like to hear the truth because it makes us uncomfortable. And I hope that Almighty God, by His Spirit, puts a fire under you and you go and search for yourself to see what the truth is. Because if you don't believe me, I'm okay with that. But I want you to know His Word. And I want you to believe what is written. I want you to understand what He wants for you because I want you to be that new creation that He creates. And He doesn't make junk. He wants you to be in the likeness of His Son. He wants you to be in, in the likeness of the only begotten Son. Will and I talked about this again this morning. And again, he didn't know what my message was. Time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. There's people that have their own desires, and they say, well, yeah, I like this. That, that feels good. Let's just do that. And I say, I'm not the one to change God's word. And I pray for him to take my mouth and use it to his glory because I don't want to say anything that's wrong. I really don't, folks. I take this seriously. 
And all of this is happening, even though our Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's written in John chapter 14, verse 6. The Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And we have many, many doctrines of demons in the body of Christ. We have demonic nations that have been set up within the kingdom of Almighty God here on earth. And this is one of the reasons why God's people must remain in His Word. Our Lord told the Jews who believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Free from sin, free from error. We're strengthened by the Spirit of Almighty God and His Word to remain in Christ, to endure whatever comes our way. We are strengthened. He made us to endure you therefore must endure, it says in 2 Timothy. It's written there in the second chapter, verses 3 through 5. We must therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, Yahashua, the Messiah. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, listen to this, folks. We're not, you know, we, we don't necessarily have the idea. Some of you may have served in the military. You might know what it means to be a soldier. But most of us don't. I was kept out by a broken back. Y'all, some of you were here last week, saw when that took place. Anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Thus it is written, thus saith the Lord. Amen. We must be those who are recreated in the image of Christ who are obeying what it is that he said. And it's written. We can simply find it in that book that we call the Bible. The number one bestseller of all time, by the way. Some endure only for a time, our Lord said. He was talking about when the sower goes out and sows the seed. He said, some only endure for a, long, uh, a short time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That's in Mark chapter 4 and verse 17. In Matthew, we hear, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Where are we to have fear? Uh, in man? Are we supposed to fear men? Are we supposed to fear human beings? Or are we supposed to fear God? The word is clear. We fear God. If we endure, it's written in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Seriously? They're speaking to believers. He's not speaking to unbelievers here. If we deny him, he'll deny us. In James chapter 5, I'm going to back up there for a moment. I heard people say, oh, I can take the mark of the beast because after all, God will know my heart. I say, yeah, he'll know your heart. You're not one of his. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Those who endure are blessed. Those who don't, aren't. We're strengthened by God's Word to endure. We need to be people of the Word. We need to be in His Word. We need to be about His Word. A brother sent me a passage of Scripture the other day through a text message. God's word strengthens us. And we want to share it with others. We want to be in his word. Yes. Thank you for that, Bernie, by the way. For whatever things were written before, it's, it's in Romans chapter 15, 
Whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort, excuse me, of the scriptures, might have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a proclamation there, and this is what I want for each of you. I want you to be of one mind. I want you to be those who are following the word of Almighty God, living the way that He proclaims for us to live. Put aside all that stuff that's old. Look, we've got a chance here. When we look at this new calendar year, and there are lots of people that make resolutions and all that kind of stuff, and if you're going to resolve to do anything, I want you to be people who, I want you to be people who resolve to be in His Word this year. Amen. Listen to it. If you have trouble reading it, listen to it and read along. There are plenty of ways that you can do that, and if you need any help with that, let me know, and I will help you. As we wrap this up, I'm going to leave you with this. Our new life in Christ is observed in how we live. It's our conduct. It's our actions. You know, it's written in James that faith without actions, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. It is no life. And if we have new life in Christ, then what will that be how, that, how will that be shown to the world? In the way that we conduct ourselves. In the way that our actions show how we help one another and we help others outside of this body. Our life in Christ isn't one of being snobby and self-righteous. We don't look down our nose at other people. It's marked by helping others meet their needs. It's observed in the way that we lead souls out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We draw them alongside of us into Christ as part of His family. And that's what it's about, folks. Our life in Christ is characterized by obedience to Almighty God and it's seen in the way that we help others grow in Christ. Sometimes that's hard. Because there's that brother or that sister that just is hard to work with. As a pastor, I'm telling you, you know, if I were able sometimes, no, I won't go. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. Probably better that way. The shepherd would have a hook and he'd grab that sheep that was getting out of line. And you know, every once in a while, you see the pictures, uh, these images of, of you know, depicting Jesus carrying a sheep. It's because he broke the leg of the sheep so it wouldn't run off. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. We need to draw people alongside of us into Christ as part of his family. And our life is characterized by obedience. So let us resolve to be and become those who are new creations. New in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And it does take time for some things to get ironed out. Let's allow him to make all things pass away. The old things pass away in the new year. Let's be at peace with our past. Let's enjoy the present. And let's look forward to the future with joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Your word is true. And uh, all of us, Lord, can be liars, but your word is true. So help us, Father, to be those who hunger for your word, thirst for your word, who want to be consuming your word, that we would be filled with your word, that we would proclaim your word, that your word would dominate our lives and everything that we say and everything that we do. I pray, Father God, that for each of these people that are in this room right now, 
that you would rule in their lives. Even if you have to spank them, Lord. Because I want these people to be your people. Fully sold out to you. Committed to you. Completely given over to you. I pray this in Christ's name. That we would all be new creations in Christ. And all of God's people say. Amen. Amen. Do we have uh, maybe time?